looking beard There's nothing like a man with a good looking beard Hello and welcome to another iteration of Behind the Beard WNC. This is a show where three friends in western North Carolina gather to talk about well, basically anything that interests us. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear us talking about high school sports or barbecuing or who knows what. But anyway, the idea is it's for our entertainment, and we hope you're entertained by it too. My name's Patrick Pohl. I'm always joined by Lewis and Mike Anderson. This week we stayed firmly with high school football. Our guest today is a, uh, a high school coaching legend, to say the least, he commands a program that boasts 29 conference championships and three state championships. He was voted Coach of the Year in the MAC Conference last season, and last t- last year's team was the Team of the Year in the MAC. Two of the players were invited to play in the Shrine Bowl, and another pair represented in the East-West All-Star Game. Four players were awarded athletic scholarships from Duke, Elon, Mars Hill, and Union College. So the Rockets of A.C. Reynolds High School were literally the smallest 4A school by enrollment this past season, and that did not change the expectations for head coach Shane Laws. Every season, he expects to win the conference and play so deep in the playoffs, fans are going to be putting up their Christmas trees. He and his coaching staff did just that with a Hoosiers-like story, ending in the fourth round to Weddington in a very close game. When we first got together with Coach Laws last night, Mike and Lewis Anderson, of course, joined me. We had some audio difficulties on the front end of the, of the recording last night, and as a result, I lost uh, the first question I asked for Coach Laws and uh, just the banter between Mike and I and Lewis and I in the beginning. Essentially, it boiled down to this. Lewis was up in Rhode Island last week for work, made fun of him because, you know, the Rhode Island people really know how to experience a true Western North Carolina redneck because they sure got one in Lewis. And Mike is, uh, well, he's had a bit of a transition. Mike has uh, not only been uh, shedding a few pounds, but he's also shaved off his beard. So I was wondering if his stock went down at the Wilkesboro Motor Speedway when he was over there doing his racing last week. Uh, he laughed at that and then proceeded to talk a great deal about a lot of racing that happens over there and the experience that he had. My first question to Coach Laws when we first broke the um, broke the ice actually related back to that Chambers game in the second round of the playoffs last year, and I had a couple of questions with him about the uh, you know the incident in the beginning where uh, the team ran out through the warm ups of the of the Rockets and how he maintained composure with that. And he kind of gave the sense, uh, not to put words in his mouth, but I kind of got the feeling that he he was aware of that and he prepared his team for that. And basically, uh, you know, don't let that bother you type of thing. We're going to we're gonna do our business on the field. And obviously, ultimately, that paid off. Then we got into the next question, which was about that unbelievable kick from the 40, you know, 45 yards out to win that game and, and advance to the third round to play Butler. And that's basically where the podcast will pick up. So one thing I'll say with the audio difficulties we had, um, we did some editing on it to try and boost the volume of it, and we were able to do that to some extent. But after the introduction ends, you may want to tweak your volume a little bit because I'm sure I'm a little bit louder on the on the uh, introduction here than what the actual podcast will be. So up next, you'll start hearing the conversation between myself and Coach Laws and the rest of the podcast. So enjoy. The most comfortable I felt in the game all night long was maybe the last minute, minute and a half. Well, that's the other question in that game I had for you is, 
yeah, Chambers comes out, they get the safety, they get the quick touchdown, and then you guys get right back into it. And then you're in a situation where you made that drive, you put the ball on the line where it's a 45-yard kick, and you call to the kicker. And there are pro kickers that would choke that kick. What do you tell? What did you tell him? Go make it. Really? I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, you don't. First of all, you don't overcoach kickers because if you want to screw up a kicker, coach him. Um, you, you, you don't. Um, but that that's the the beauty of having a senior kicker who is who is a very good kicker, but a fantastic soccer player. Um, he's been in pressure situations before. He's he's a he's a super athlete. He's, he's not just a kid that kicks a football well. He he's he's been in pressure situations before. Maybe not exactly like that one, but you know we we talked all week and you know, just everybody do your job. Everybody do your job. And we told the kids all week there's going to be situations where guys have got to step up and make a big play for us to win this thing. And and we told him that all week. And we told our punter Sean, another soccer player, you know. Some of the best plays we can make Friday night are going to be fantastic punts to flip the field and change, you know, field position and all that kind of thing. But I think that's that's this team or that team last year, the twenty-two team. That was they all just did their job when they needed to do their job, and they were a team that was athletic, fast, and physical, and all that stuff. But they were also a very composed team. They were a very poised team. And you had that because if we remember back a couple of years when we were playing COVID football in the spring, they were all out there playing as babies. And I didn't want them playing on Friday nights at that time, but we were just in a place personnel-wise where they had to. So those kids had been in situations. And that's to me, that's one of the big keys with high school football, especially in the playoffs, it's composure how you handle situations. You talked about the safety and the, you know, we started off really bad, had some bad things happen. You know, I, I told the kids, all right, now what? You know, you what are you going to do? And, you know, I told them it's just going to be a steady fight. You're going to get hit, we're going to hit them. How do you respond to being hit? And they, they that particular night, they, they were great. Oh, I agree. That's one of the greatest games I've I think I've ever seen, so it was awesome. A great run last year. So now I guess I'll just kick it off to you and, you know, let you have it. Do you want to talk about you and your program a little bit? Yeah, I, mean, I don't um, – you know, me, I'm, I'm, I'm from down off the mountain. I was born in Mooresville, North Carolina. I'm, I'm a late kid, I guess. Um, grew up Iredale County, Catawba County, Catawba Valley, went to Newton-Conover High School and – Went to Appalachian, and um, you know, next thing I know, I'm a young coach here. You know, I thought I was going to be a college coach. That was that was the plan. You know, I'm, I'm going to coach college football. Bobby Poss called me several years ago, asked me to come up, be an assistant coach. And I said, Yeah, you know, I'll come, coach. But I'm, you know, I'm 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 looking for a GA job and do the whole college thing. And what what year was that, coach? Ninety-seven, and. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. I, this, but this place is special. It's special to me. It's special to my wife. It's you know just the way everything has worked throughout the years. This community, it, it means a lot to me. There have been opportunities to, to go coach in college or to go do some other things, and we have decided that, that we were going to stay here and 
finish this. Um, you know, there's been a lot of work, a lot of stress, a lot of pain and tears and joy with all of it. But I love the, like I said, I love the community. I love the kids that I've had a chance to coach. This is a neat place because it's, we have a very diverse school population. And I think you have to have that to be successful in football. Um, we have a little bit of everything at Reynolds High School. And we have kids that, that still want to work hard. And we have kids that expect to win. We have kids that are willing to do the things that they need to do to be successful. And then on the other side of it, I've got this unbelievable staff. I will put my staff up against any in the state. I don't know if you can find a group of assistant coaches better than the guys I work with. And I'm pretty sure you can't. Um, and that's another thing, you know, it's, it's, it's kept this program going the, the way it has. The, our kids are coached. They're not, you know, we're not perfect you know, on any stretch of the imagination, but I don't have a single position group that I'm worried about the way they're, they're being coached. Um, you know, what happens on Friday nights at halftime when we're making adjustments and you're watching those guys scramble? Um, it's, they're just – they're a fantastic group of assistant coaches, and they coach hard. I mean, it's you know a lot of them are. We're still coaching a lot of our kids like like kids were coached in the '80s or '90s, um, but I think our players know their coach loves them, and that's why we're able to do that. Um, and then you know just you know the and the big thing is, man, we've coached a lot of good players, and. And I've been fortunate. We've, you know, they just keep coming. So why leave? You know, <laughs> why go anywhere else? And and another thing that, that doesn't get talked about a lot is administratively here. When you're a football coach, that has a lot to do with keeping jobs or moving or getting fired or whatever. I've worked, every administration I've worked for here has been great. They they support what we're trying to do. They support our kids. They they support what happens on Friday night. Now they've all been different in the way they do it, um, but you know I hear coaches all the time talk about my principal or my AD or you know I don't have that. I've got an AD that supports us. I've got a principal that supports us. Um, you know there's we got problems like anybody else. I don't want to make it sound too rosy, but it's a pretty good place to be if you're a football coach. Does that help your AD was a football coach here? I think it does. I think it does. He he understands some of the things I'm dealing with daily. Um, and, and I try to understand the things that he's dealing with too, his side of, you know, you, know, you always want the AD to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. But sometimes they have to say no. And, and, and I, you know, I worked with Steve. I was one of his assistants. So I understand a lot of times where he's coming from too. How many different principals have you outlived here? Well, I was hired by Mr. Dalton. The ultimate Reynolds yeah, football fan. Yeah, yeah. I was – me and Miss Mace – Miss Mace teaches chemistry. Her and I came about the same time in 97. And we argue over who was the last one. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. But, but I was hired by Mr. Dalton. Gotcha. Um, so, I worked with Mr. Dalton, Dr. Baldwin – Dr. Lambert, uh, Ms. Sellers, and now uh, Mr. Alexander. 
And, and your assistants have been here a long time as well. I mean, you have some. Have you? Do you have any that have been here as long as you? Or well, Coach Craig, Coach our defensive Craig, coordinator, yeah. has actually been here a year longer than me. I think school wide, besides Miss Mace, I think me and Brian may have been here. If you walk around the building, maybe <laughs> <laughs> where the antiques here. So think about football west of Charlotte. There's two programs to me that stand out every year, basically guaranteed to be a winning season. You guys and Shelby. Somehow you guys have found a recipe, no matter what the players are, no matter what it is, you guys are going to be successful. Can you speak a little bit about that and the process you do? Well, I mean, it's it's cliche in football circles right now. Like you, you hear people talk about the process, or you hear people talk about a culture. And I, but I believe that's what it is. We have developed a process here about the way we run the program, the way we coach kids, what we expect from kids, and what the kids can expect from us. Um, and it's a year-round process. Um, if you're a football player at AC Reynolds, you're a football player from August 1st to July 31st. It's you know until you, or at least until you graduate, and that doesn't mean that we football them to death. Um, I've learned over the years when to press them and when to back off a little bit. I, I'm a big advocate of our players playing multiple sports, so you know we, we're going to push that. But but we have a situation here with our class. We have a football class that's that's year round, um, which allows our guys to do what they need to do in the off season to physically get ready for the next one. But at the same time. If they, you know, if they want to play basketball, or they want to play baseball, or run track, or and, you know, we're we're pushing them to to play multiple sports. Um, I think that's part of it, but just like I talked about earlier, I, I think the coaching staff and, and the guys that are working with me are a huge part of that recipe. You know, one of my goals when I got the head job was to put together an all-star staff, and it took time. But I feel like we're there now. Um, I mean, I've got guys – I've probably got four coaches on my staff that could easily be head coaches somewhere else. And some of them are head coaches in other sports. Um, but they have chosen to stay here and, and do what we're doing. And then, you know, like I said, we got we got good players. It's – this is a hard game to win if you got bad players. <laughs> you know, you – Good players make make a good coach really quick. <laughs> so I, I think things you know it's 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 a kind of a those you throw all those things in the pot together, um, but but this is still a football community. Absolutely. And Friday night at R.L. Dalton Stadium is still Friday night at R.L. Dalton Stadium, and I, that's. That helps a lot, too. Um, you know, I've got kids that play for us right now that have been looking forward to that since they were seven or eight, you know, over here across the street. And and that's a part of it, too. But uh, but we like the idea of where Reynolds. We're going to do what Reynolds does. And we don't really care about the rest of you. And if you don't like us, that's fine. Um, now, I'm good friends with a lot of the other coaches in the area. But, but we're Reynolds, and – and you know we're we're okay if nobody else likes us. You you mentioned about uh, players and getting good players. Uh, no, no shortage of talent last year. 
graduation is nothing new for any program, but you lose Day Day, Asher, Big Russ, Deontay, Nash Rogers all to graduation. Uh, other seniors, obviously, huge shoes to fill. What does that picture look like, and, and how do you do that? It's amazing to watch how you get the next guys up every time. What is that? Well, you don't replace – you know, you, you, you don't replace Russ. You don't replace Asher and Day Day. They you, – they're – you know, they're, those guys are – you know, we have a lot of guys like that that come through here. But but it's going to be a little bit before we see the next guys like that. They have the body type. They the, they're physically able to do the things that they can do and and intellectually understand the game the way. But that was a process getting all those guys to there. Um, so you have to pick the slack up in other places. We have to get better in certain you know we, where last year we could get away with being a little weaker inside or at a DN position because of what we had with Asher sitting outside and Russ sitting inside. Well, now that DN, who was an underclassman last year, has got to be much bigger. And that's the way you build it, you know, because you're not going to replace – you're not – we're not going to put a, you know, another safety, another 6'3", 190-pound safety that runs a 4'6". We're, we're, that guy's not in our program right now, you know, besides Cairo. And, well, last year Cairo and Day-Day were there together. So – but we'll move Cairo to the middle of the field, and he'll do a lot of the things that, that Day-Day was doing last year. And it's just, you know, the next guy. It's, it's somebody else's time to do it. And, and, you know, you have to – with the guys you have coming back, the emphasis com- becomes them getting much better than what they were the year before as opposed to trying to replace a guy. So next, t- next year this time – you know, you're talking about a, a defensive end or a Mike linebacker instead of an outside linebacker and safety. So you talked about – Pat was talking about replacing players. Uh, do you believe one of your strengths starts at that youth league across the street? I think it does because um, it's been something that I've tried to put as much attention on as I could uh, throughout the time that we've been here. Um because kids are changing. They don't – when I was a kid, on Saturday afternoons, I was watching college. I was watching Notre Dame play. That, that was my dream when I was a kid. I was going to go play in Notre Dame. Um, but I would watch from the time the band walked on the field until it was over. And kids don't do that anymore. So they have to learn football somewhere. They have to be coached. Um and it, you know, kids that are ready to play when they're when they're elementary school age. That's where we go, and so I think we, you know, we do our very best to help support them and the things that they're trying to do, and help them find folks that that want to coach. And and when they do find guys, you know, some of them may not have a ton of football experience, and we try to open up our doors as much as we can to help them learn how to coach young guys. But I don't know how to coach eight-year-olds. I've never coached eight-year-olds. But I know the fundamentals of football and, and to try to help, you know, bring that program along and, and make those – and help those young guys understand you're, you're a part of us. You know, you're a Reynolds Rocket. And, and I always want the young guys to know that, that they – I care how we do on Saturday. 
You know, I care if we play in the Super Bowl or, or whatever, or I care if we go out there and we lose. I, you know, you're still Rockets. You're still my guys and guys that, you know, that, that one day we want to coach here. And that's the biggest thing. The thing that I try to stress to our youth league folks is I want to have an opportunity to coach that nine-year-old kid one day. So his football experience needs to be the best that we can make it. Now, that may not mean he's the best player. It may not mean he plays very much. But he has fun, and and he can see himself getting a little bit better. Because what I hate about our sport is where we where I feel like we screw it up too much is we will have people, not in our community, but we will have people that coach kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten years old, or like they were coached when they were seniors in high school. And that kid or that player has a bad experience and doesn't want to come back to the game. That, you know, that that I don't like. Um, but I think the other, you know, the good part about our sport too is if you play it from the time you're very young until you get to high school, great. But if you decide as a freshman, I want to try football. We, we can make a football player out of you as a, as a freshman. And, you know, it's, it's going to take some time. But if you really want to be good at football, you can do it. You don't pick basketball up as a sophomore. <laughs> you know, no. you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't become a baseball you know, in ninth grade. Well, I don't try baseball. No, you don't do that. But, but football, you can. Well, talking about uh, timing, yeah, it, spring ball just ended, I think, today, right? So yeah, today a, was the last day. You got a team that's moved from 4A down to 3A coming up this year. You, have, you already talked a little bit about losing the leaders from last year. What have you seen out here? Who are the leaders emerging on your team for next year? It's been good. We, we had eight practices, um, eight good practices. And a lot of those guys that I was hoping and expecting to kind of step up have – um, you know, obviously, you know, your son, Brendan, has, has been fantastic. He's he's kind of stepping into that role that Nash left, um, being the leader on that offensive line. Um, and, you know, of course, Hayden's back running the show. And that he's so far ahead of where he was this time last year. And that makes all the difference in the world when the quarterback's ready to roll. And and he is. He's, he's basically picking up where we left off in, in November. So... You know that's a huge plus for us, and you know Ma is is so fast. I mean he's he's so fast. And <laughs> speed kills, right? Speed kills, and and he's doing great. And Wesley on the other side, and then you've got the the guy who you know I call him the straw that stirs the drink is Christian Lewis, who's back because he's so big and physical and able to do the things that he does in the running game, but at the same time he can win matchups with defensive backs deep down the field. Um, uh, so that you know those those guys offensively, and then you know you, we got a running back that's pretty good too. I've uh, heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's you know Max is is good, and and he's just getting better and better. And then on the defensive side, you know everybody talked about how great that defense was last year, and they were they were really good. But I think we're going to be good again. Um, you know we're going to have to have some guys grow up a little bit, but. Um, you know, Kairos Gaines, in my opinion, is one of the best DBs in the state. He just he's he's so long and smooth and, and intelligent with, with the way he plays. Um, he 
moving him into the middle of the field and giving him a little more freedom, I'm hoping it causes a lot of problems for defenses. Um, it's where Day-Day was so good at a lot of things, but Day-Day was more of the, you know, I'm going to knock your head off guy. Um, <laughs> Cairo's a little more of just throw it out here and see what happens. And so that's – and then, you know, on the other side, Cavalli's back. And it's Cavalli, super fast kid who's, who's just so steady, played so well for us all year last year. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to be huge again. Then Brandon Guest and Mike Linebacker, the, you know, it's kind of like the quarterback position. When you have a Mike Linebacker that's back with all the games under his belt that he has um, and as much responsibility as we put on a linebacker, uh, he's, it's, it's great having him. But now he's – He's kind of been restricted in the way he's practiced because he had a labrum surgery in January. Um, him and Cam McDowell both had shoulder surgeries. They've practiced, but it's been very limited. Um, but, uh, you know, Dalen Harper and, and Cam Smith both back up front. And as the season went on last year, those two guys just got better and better and better and played so well for us. And and uh, then, you know, Aiden Hines is back, you know, another linebacker. So we, we lost some guys. Um, who are really good players, but we've got a lot of good players back too. And and it's just going to be the process of them all coming together because every team is different uh, in this defense. You know, talking about defense, I think last year's defense was more, you know, they were, they were, they were sort of bullies, and that was the way they played. And um, this defense, I think, could be a little faster, more athletic, more of just a, a menacing type defense where – where last year we were just kind of a little more, we just want to, you know, hit you in the face and see what you did. <laughs> um, but, and then offensively, you know, last year at times we, we were a little bit conservative because of how good we were on defense. And, but with so many of these skill guys back and um, the potential to be much better up front, um, you know, we'll probably be a lot more of an attacking offense, uh, you know, going after some things instead of just kind of, Picking and choosing our spots. Yeah, you're you're talking about up front there. You've got you lost Nash, who was amazing. Yeah, Aiden, and you lost um, Bailey. Yeah, Bailey Craig out there on the right tackle. The guys coming up to fill those slots are well, stepping up. Yeah, we've you know we we got Dwayne back. You know, Dwayne's basically a three year starter. So and Dwayne can play center and guard, and he's done a he, he's just you know he's been steady uh, his whole career, and he looks he he's looked good this spring. Um, and then Connor Crane, who kind of waited in the wings. Like he's he's been waiting for his time, and it's here. Him and Raleigh Hall both. They were sort of backup linemen last year, and um, and all five of those guys have, have had a good spring. We we rotated some guys around. Uh, some young guys got got a chance. Uh, you know, Aiden Truesdale, who was a freshman, he's he's a little bit undersized, but tough, tough, and and really strong kid. Um, got a lot of reps throughout the spring with the first group and, and did really well. So, I mean, where we, we're losing Nash, who was really, really good and a you know, big, strong, physical guy. You know, I think Brendan takes his place. He, he takes his place as the bully on, on the offensive line and the leader and the, the, in, the intellectual leader, too, as far as making sure we're blocking things the right way. But um, I think as a whole, we potentially could, could be a little better if we do the work we need to do this summer and uh, physically get ourselves ready to play um, 
because we, you know, last year we had a few guys that played a lot for us, just didn't have a lot of experience. And we're not really plugging anybody in right now up there that's, you know, that, that's sort of a baby, a football baby, <laughs> you, know, you know, that just doesn't have a lot of football experience. Now we, we've got five guys who played, played a lot of ball. Now they maybe hadn't played in fourth-round games, but they've played a lot of ball, and that, that helps you. you. You talked about these guys growing up and getting ready. Uh, probably nobody in North Carolina starts with a harder four-game schedule there, so they got to grow up quick. Uh, talk about – I know I've heard you talk about in the past those first games that are important to your season and kind of a measuring stick. Kind of talk about those a minute. Well, you, I think if you want to be playing in December or you want to be playing in late November, you've got to be a tough, battle-hardened football team. Um, I have no interest – I mean, it would be great to be undefeated with the schedule we have, but if we are undefeated, that's, that's really – cool um but i want to play really good people on the front end of the schedule because it forces our players to get better faster um and it throws situations at them that they may not otherwise get if we were playing people that we knew you know we were better than or that we were just as good as or or whatever um i want to challenge our football team early and and it's tough the the four they have you know with west forsyth shelby East Forsyth and, and Wataga coming up are four really, really hard games, and they're all four really different in, in the type of teams that they are. Um, but I think it sets you up for some of the games later in the conference that we have to play well in. Um, it puts us in under a little bit of a pr- – under some pressure and will put us in a lot of difficult situations in-game. And, and then when we get to the playoffs – in October and November, you know, we can look back and say, all right, you know, remember when we played East, East Forsyth and, and we had a problem with this or, you know, they were really good in this spot. You know, we can pull from those game plans and we can pull from mistakes or, or pull from things that we did well in those games and use it in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think it's vital that, that you play good. And plus it's fun. I mean, who wants to play – these guys work their tail off. I mean, they they are year-round football players, and you don't want to go out there and play a game that you're gonna you know you're gonna win. And at halftime, you, you may be sitting out while the other guys play. I mean, they you know play in big games. Big you play one game a week. You get to do this one time in your life for most of them. Play in some big games. Games that matter. Games that are fun. Games that other people throughout the state care about. You know. Um, yeah, I think that's that's part of it too. And I, you know, we we are a program that wants to play in big games, and and I think our kids like it. Our, our kids, they're they're talking about those games now. And when we're out here practicing during these eight practices, there's situations that are coming up, and I'm hearing players say, "Look, man, you, you know, you do that against West Forsyth, you know, you're beat. You're you know, we're in trouble." And they know, and it's it's just it's more fun. What does the MAC conference have to do to get better? Um, it, it seems like it's been Reynolds and Asheville for a long time, and then Asheville kind of fell off the map. Court Radford has brought them back, which I know is probably welcome sight to you. No, I don't want them back, but no. Um, <laughs> At least it's another tough no, game during the year. No, Asheville is good. Asheville's good, and Court's great. Court's doing a fantastic job, and, and that game is the rivalry is back. Um, 
and and it's definitely one that circled on the schedule. But I think the MAC's going to be much better this year. There there are a lot of good football coaches in the MAC, um, and we all deal with different situations. And you know, like I said earlier, there's a reason I've been here 26 years, and one of them are players. I mean, players matter. And, and, and in some schools, it, there's, there's cycles and there's things that you have to deal with. But um, I think the conference is going to be really good this year. I think Irwin will be much better. I think T.C. Robertson will be much, much better. I think T.C. Robertson may be a team that, to contend with for, for all of us. Um, and, you know, I think there's, you know, Mike's getting things going at Inca and in and, and North Buncombe. Are, they're, they're just – You've got to get you've got to get athletes out there, and some of these schools have had situations where guys have came in and tried to rebuild programs, and and you have to start with pulling some of those basketball players and pulling some of those baseball players because in this world we live in right now, it's oh you know you, you know kids are being told at nine you know, you're going to play for the Braves one day don't don't go play football don't go do that I mean it's and and I mean on a side note on while we're talking about or while I'm talking about that you know I, my my wife is from Cleveland and so we we're actually going this weekend to watch the Indian well they're not the Indians the Guardians <laughs> we're going to watch the Guardians play and I, one of the things I always do is I buy the program and you go through the program and you look at all the American players and you read their bios and their backgrounds and almost always the American players well he was Mr. Football in Illinois or he was all state basketball player he was you know, he, he's a Major League Baseball player because he's a really good baseball player and he spent a lot of time on the game. But he's also he's an unbelievable athlete. You know, so let your son play. Let him play. And if baseball's their favorite, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I love baseball for a long time too. But if he's good enough, he, he's good enough. And all the lessons and all the travel and I don't know – but, I mean, I've done my share of it as a parent. I mean, I, I raised soccer players, who and we traveled all over the country with that. So, in retrospect, looking back on what was good and what was bad, there's a lot of it that's bad. And my daughter would be playing Division One soccer whether she did, did some of it or not. But that's my little soapbox thing. On. <laughs> well, now your, your point's well taken because that, um, that young lady that played for North Buncombe last year in volleyball and in basketball, basketball yeah. she just got – Freshman of the year in the SEC for bait for softball, softball in Tennessee. Yeah. I never saw her play softball, but I we all watched her play basketball and volleyball. Amazing athlete. So yeah, she's. I mean, I enjoyed watching her play everything. Yeah, and she's a fantastic athlete. The, the you know the good Lord blessed her with a lot of things, but she's a, she's one of the best. Well, she's a SEC level pitcher because of the things none of us saw. And nobody else saw how hard she worked, how much time she spent in the gym, how much time she spent working on, on her game. And she could turn around and go out there and do it on the basketball court or volleyball court because she had it. She was an athlete. And she's a, you know, softball was obviously her thing. That's what she cared the most about. But what, you know, parents don't understand a lot of times is follow her around for two weeks. Watch how she lives. And that's why she's playing at the University of Tennessee. Right. Um, Pickens was her last Pickens, name. Pickens, yeah. yes. I can't remember her first name. Uh, so so you, you mentioned about, hey, just let your kid play and everything. 
and even over the course of my short life compared to, you know, you three, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> football numbers have dropped across the county. Many schools aren't having JV programs. You've seen it here as well. The sidelines are less crowded than what they used to be when we come up here and played you guys. Uh, do you see that ever reversing? Of course, it started with the concussion scare, although football is not the number one concussion sport and all that. Do you see that reversing anytime soon? You know, you see it come and go in, with classes. Um, we had a really small uh, senior class two years ago during the COVID stuff. And I don't know, COVID may have had a lot to do with it. I, I don't know. And then last year's senior class, while it was a fantastic class, it, it wasn't that big. You know, normally we were senior classes around 20, 23 players. Um, I think the biggest thing has been the concussion thing. Parents are scared to death um, about concussions because just like everything, anything that comes out in the news, we run with it 100 miles an hour and and take it to extremes. The game is safer now than it has ever been. Absolutely. Um, the way we practice, the way we operate, you can ask our players, our running backs and receivers do not go to the ground except on Friday nights. Um, I spend a lot of time planning practice, and it's, and it's a really it's a really difficult tightrope that you walk because we want to be a physical, tough football team, but I want to be a healthy football team. I want to be a team that – that can survive and still feel really good in November. Well, when I was playing in high school, coaches didn't think that way. Mm -mm. The whole And it wasn't that they were bad coaches or they were dumb or anything like that. It was the way you won football games was you out-toughed everybody. Right. And, I mean, I played on offense, I played on defense, played on special teams, and, you know, you drank water one time in practice and, you know, all that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and and they they were sincere in that they were – they weren't, they weren't doing it to, to make our lives miserable. They were doing it because they wanted to make us tougher. And while toughness is still a big part of this game, it's not it's, – it's a part. It's not the only part. Um, and, that, I mean, that my message to parents is, that, you know, the, the game is not being coached and it's not being played the way it was even 10 years ago. Um, and head injuries and things like that are all taken very, very seriously, very seriously. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't, I would, I would not, I don't have any sons, but, I, you know, besides all the down there in that locker room, but I would not have, you know, any apprehensions, you know, if my son was interested in playing. Now, when he started playing, that's another conversation, and, and all parents and, you know, depending on where you live and different things like that are, are different. But to answer your question, I think it's – I think in certain communities you're going to see it continue to ebb and flow. And in this community, we had 85 players in the program last year, which is about average. Um, now, what I have started doing more – we're having more sophomores play on Friday – than, than we do on Thursday, and that's just because I feel like the difference in the Thursday night game and the Friday night game is where, you know, 15 years ago it was a step. Now it's about five steps. And so the quicker we can get guys acclimated to Friday night, you know, we're, we're probably pushing that a little bit more. And JV football is becoming 
much more freshman heavy. Um, so the Thursday night sideline does look a little smaller because there's a lot of there's more guys that could be playing with them that that are with the Friday night guys, and, and that's just that's me. But but we're seeing it in other programs too. You know, the quicker you can get those young guys to Friday night, the better. And um, but I think I think you know as a whole. The game is not going to go away. It's still one of the greatest games in the world. And there's just there's so many different types of kids who can contribute to a football team. It's, you know, if you're not 6'3 and you can't get up down the court and handle it, man, you, you don't need to be out there. We can take them all. We can take all different body types, no matter how much skill you have or athleticism you have. We can find something for you. Um, and I think that will continue to be the thing that, that pulls kids. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't, th- I don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So, so after 26 years coaching, what, what's the one difficulty that you still face, or what's the, the most difficult thing about your job now? Uh, should I answer that? <laughs> <laughs> um. Honestly, and, and let me explain my answer. Honestly, it is parents and people outside of the program. People that think they know, but they don't. And and when I say parents, I have great parents, and I love all the parents that did. But helping parents to understand that while your son is extremely important to you, just like my daughters are extremely important to me, so are all those other guys too. And in the way we play on Friday night and in the lessons that we're trying to teach, you know, your son is going to come home sometimes and he's not going to like me or he's not going to like one of the other coaches because they got on him or whatever. You know, what I always want our parents to understand is I'm not perfect. My coaches aren't perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we care about your son. We we honestly care about about the kids we coach, whether he's all state or never plays. It, it doesn't matter. And and we're going to be hard on them. And you know, sometimes sometimes that's tough. That that's that's tough for for parents. And and then the other thing is, you know, we one of our main one of my main goals in the program is to set kids up for what's after high school now there's this idea out there now that if they're good enough to play on Friday night they're good enough to play in college and that's just not true there the idea of the great high school player that moves on to the next thing when they graduate, it seems like it's, you know, nobody wants to, no, nobody wants to be that guy anymore. Everybody wants to go play in college and everybody's, um, and, and college football is hard and, and recruiting is, you know, recruiting is, is gotten crazy. It's, it, the whole thing is turned upside down, but, 
and I think that's another that's another thing that, that's become difficult is the recruiting part of it and that stuff that's out of my control, out of high school coaches' control in general, things that have happened from the NCAA and they're trickling down. Um, but, you know, we, you take our defense last year and out of – there were six seniors that played regularly on that defense. You know, three of them are going – Three of them were unbelievable players, and they're going where they're going. And you know, you know Deontay's going to Union, and and you know there was, you know, even on this show, you know, well that's a you know he's going to, you know, smaller no name school or whatever. Well, that's hard. Yeah, he's still going somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and he's going, and he is a fantastic football player, and he is a player that every day came here, did exactly what he was coached to do did everything he was supposed to do in the building, in the classroom, and he's pretty much going to school for free, and he's going to keep playing ball. One of our other guys that started on that defense doesn't want to go play in college. He's done. And if you look at, you know, you look at his body, he's smart. Yeah, I got all I could get out of this, you know, out here. <laughs> you know, the last place I need to be is – you know, but he was a fantastic all-conference player out there for us. And then one of our other guys, we're still trying to set up some kind of junior college situation or something for him. He's just he's got some great issues. But you know, and I I'm really proud of the fact that four of those six seniors on that defense are going somewhere. And then you look on the other side of the ball, Nash, who was fantastic, didn't want to play anymore. I'm I'm good, coach. You know. Bailey was in the same boat. Bailey had a couple smaller schools that, that were interested, and he's ready to do the next thing. So, and then most of the rest of those guys are all back. But, you know, it gets looked at, you know, recruiting and, you know, how many players you send into college and, you know, all that kind of thing. We're sending a lot of dudes to college. And, you, you know, I know there's other schools out there that are boasting about what they're doing and who showed up and all that kind of thing. But I still feel like, you know, in 26 years, there's been more football players sent to college from this place, and probably the next closest is Asheville High. And the private schools can say what they want to, but they just showed up about five years ago. And so we are still the leader in pushing kids to, to school. And uh, and that's one of our big goals, but at the same time, it's one of the headaches. It, the, in helping parents through that, it's, I shouldn't have said parents. What I should have said is helping them through that because it has become, the recruiting has become such an ordeal where the whole clock is getting pushed back because of portal and COVID years and, and all this stuff. So a player like, a player like Cairo, who is a fantastic player. I mean, he's, he's going to play in college. He's probably a Division One player, and he's going to play somewhere at that level. Um, you know, normally, probably at this time of the year, he would have three or four offers. Instead, he's on a ton of people's board and that, are, that really like him, and some of them are going to offer him a scholarship, but they're waiting on to see how that portal ends up first. And it's just like Brendan. You know, Brendan's in that same boat where – is he a one double A player? Is he a D two player? Well, let's, we've got to see how the portal works out. 
And in every one of our players that are recruitable right now, which we have several, are all working through that. And, you know, except for the, you know, 6'4", 230, it runs a 4'4". That, right. That's, you know, well, the kid that, that was at Christ School that's going to Alabama. Right. I mean, have you seen that dude? That's why he's going to Alabama. Right. Um, you know, he's um, – I haven't seen him play very much. I don't know what kind of player he is, but I know he runs well, he moves well. And he's you – know, I saw him at the movie theater one night. He's friends with my daughters. When my daughters were home for Christmas, we went to the movies, and, and he happened to be there, and he was a friend of theirs, and I saw him. Yeah, that, that's that's what an SEC guy looks like. <laughs> so you mentioned the trickle down from the NCAA. What about this NIL stuff? What's your What's your thought there? I mean, I mean, we're getting into some. Uh, you talking about it at the college level or at our level? At our level. Um, I don't know. I mean, I had an NIL deal when I was in high school. I, I was I was an okay player, and the manager at the grocery store knew who I was, so he gave me a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I worked, uh, I used to cut up fish and stuff like that in the back. That was my NIL deal. Um, and I don't know, man, this, this is getting crazy. It really is. I'm, I'm all for kids, but I, we're getting a little bit stupid in my, in my opinion. And that maybe I'm an old guy and I've been doing this for you know a while. And, um, I want my players to have everything that we can provide for them I want because this is a this is a snapshot of their entire life but it's one that they're always going to remember and I want it to be special the whole time they're here and they're still kids and they're still kids so so how do you feel about it at the college level well here's the thing at the college level at the p5 level there's a lot of guys making money right and not all of them are making they're making money they're making good money but there you know there's only a handful of them that are making these you know six and seven figures um but you have a lot of places you know a lot of the sec and the acc and the big 10 schools where there's a lot of guys making 10 15 20 thousand dollars a year which that's cool because i mean I, when i was in college man i thought when i had 25 bucks in my checking account it was good <laughs> um but he, this is my question about nil for the college kids, especially the top-end guys, they're not all going to make it to the league. Right. What happens to that player when he's 23 or he's 24, and hopefully he has a degree from wherever he was playing? Well, now he's got to go get a real job. And as in 2023, with him with a college degree, hopefully he can find something, you know, you know the the average student leaving these schools is going to be happy making fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year, not the million he's been used no, to. No, but he's been making you know five hundred grand a year or even close to a million a year. How does his life change, and who's going to be there to help him with that emotionally? Emotionally, yeah. because he's you know it, it. I had a lot of bad ideas about what the world was like when I was twenty, <laughs> and if you would have given me money on top of that. <laughs> and then I would have got out, and then I learned a lot of things when I actually got out and had to live and pay bills. And well, now I don't have that five hundred grand or that million dollars. Now I've got a, a, just a fraction of it that I'm supposed to live on. And I, I don't know that nobody talks about that though. That's but that's something that I have been curious about because 
making it in the NFL is unbelievably hard. And there's just a lot of these guys that are assume, assuming that that's going to happen for them. And, and it's not going to. So, so do you ever talk to your players, hey, you know, this is a conversation my dad had with me. We're getting a degree before we get anything else, right? Let's not go pursue that paycheck because the average NFL career is less than four years. Uh, most people won't make it to college, let alone the NFL. But, I mean, if you do and you go get that degree, you're going to be head and shoulders above everyone else. Do you ever have that conversation with your players? I have the conversation with them, especially the guys who, who are being heavily recruited or being recruited at all. Use football to get your degree. Yeah. Because they will use you for everything you are worth. Correct. And that's, you know, that's another thing. I, when I met with our parents a few weeks ago, I tried to help our parents understand that it's, if the guys that are fortunate enough to go play in college, it's not going to be anything like this. It, it's, it's, you're still playing the same game, and that's about it. Yeah, but it's a job. It is a job. Yeah. And, and they, you know, they're going to pay for you to go to school, though, or they're going to help pay for you to go to school. Get every bit of it you can out of it. Stay, you know, C.J. Elman, is, who's offensive lineman at Play Forces at Wake right now, he's got one degree, and he's still got some time. He can keep playing. Uh, if he stays at Wake, he, I think he's got two more years he can play. He could leave there with two degrees, or he could leave there with a degree and a master's degree. You know, Rico, who's playing for the Cowboys now, left University of South Carolina with two degrees. Because these guys have to be there in the summer and all, too. Right. So, you know, get everything you – that that's the biggest piece of advice I give to the guys going to college. Use Get everything you can get out of it. Because you're going to – you know, one day you're going to walk around like I walk around and, you know, they they, well, they got everything from you and, and your body's going to be beat up and all that. But And then – but the other big piece of advice I try to tell our players that, that may not be at that level is – there are so many different ways to go to college, and football is only one. Right. You know, and I try to stress to our players, grades, 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 because obviously we all can't afford to write big checks to the University of North Carolina or Tennessee or wherever it is you, you, you want to go to college. But the higher your grades are, the more financial aid you get, the more um, scholarships you can get, depending on your situation at home, the more you can get. Um, I just want them to go to school, or I want, them to, I want them to have a plan when they leave here, when they're done playing football, and I ask them all in January before I lose the seniors, um, you know, what, what's your plan? What's, what's the next thing? And even if that plan is, you know, it, you know, I don't care really what the plan Just give me a plan. Well, what are you thinking? What, what's the next thing you want to do? And how can I help you get get to that place? Um, or how can – I mean, I say me, my coaching staff are doing the same thing because we all use different connections to try to help players where we can. And – but, you know, the, the biggest thing, especially in this, in this community in Asheville, and you know, we all know how weird economically and this is an odd place. You know, you don't just graduate from Reynolds High School and go get a good job. That's not going to happen. And you're not going to be able to feed yourself. You're not going to be able to pay rent. You're not, you know, so if you're wanting to stay here, what's the plan so that you can do that? Because we all know how difficult it is here. Um, but that's, you know, as far as 
that's a that's a big part of what we try to do, especially for our senior players, is to help them look forward in, in what's next. You you mentioned the meeting that you had with the parents with us last week. <clears throat> you, I, I thought you told an amazing, compelling story. But the thing that really stood out is the list you made. You know, what's number one, what's number two, and no, like number five was the skill set. What Run that back again. That was really fantastic. Well, I think for – when it comes to recruiting, when you're dealing with college coaches, the, the biggest thing that they are recruiting is a body type. It's a body type. It's a body type and how that body type moves and how, um, you know, it's all position specific. But, you know, people have a hard time understanding sometimes. Well, I don't understand. You know, my son was – he was all conference and he was – you know, all Western North Carolina or, you know, but he's hardly getting any offers or he's not being recruited that hard because your son's body type doesn't fit with, with what they're looking for. And especially for your power five or G five schools, what matters to them probably more than anything is your body type and how you move. They've, they feel like they can coach. You know, you obviously got to be a good player, but they can coach you into becoming the player they need you to be at that particular institution. Um, and then the next thing is, is, is grades. How do you work? Um, you know, what, what's your personality? What, what kind of person are you? What are your parents like? You know, that's another thing. Your parents, I, I, should, I didn't mention enough in our meeting was, they want to know about the parents. They're, You're they're, in trouble, Pat. Yeah. I, I lie a lot when I'm talking about you. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but – and then kind of probably at the bottom of that list is what kind of player they are. Um, and the thing that a lot of folks, you know, they don't care about stats. I have yet to have a coach in 26 years come in here and recruit a running back and ask me, well, how many yards did he rush for last year? They don't care. You know, they, they want to see the film. How does he run? How does he block? Um, same thing with defensive players. How many tackles did that linebacker? They, they don't care. That That's not what they're recruiting. So the things that, that are put out there in the Citizen Times, you know, those that stat. You know, I have parents get upset with me because I don't – sometimes we don't get our stats updated by Tuesday when the Citizen Times puts their thing out. And it is important. I understand it being important to players and being important to moms and dads sometimes. But, you know, I had a parent tell me once, well, you know, college coaches, they need to see them. No, the college coaches don't care. They, they they're care. probably not reading the Citizen Times. Well, they're not. They're not reading the Citizen Times, and they don't care how many tackles he had. They don't, have, they don't care how many yards. They will care a little bit more about quarterbacks, but they're not, they're not as much so concerned with how many yards is he throwing for. They're concerned with his completion percentage. Um, and things like that. But stats do not matter to college coaches. And I'm not saying that, Reynolds, but I would say sometimes stats aren't always 100% accurate. Right. Well, no, they're not, um, especially when you get into tackles and stuff because a lot of different coaches do tackles differently. You know, what's a half tackle? What's an assist? What Was that a sack? Or was he really – was he trying to throw the ball? Was he running? You know, it's – and that's why – that's why I'm not a big stat guy. Some of my parents get upset with me because of that, but I'm just not. It's they don't matter. 
that much and I need to do a better job with it. And I promise my parents I'm going to, but, um, I don't, that's, that's down my list during our game week. Yeah. You, to your point about the stats, I think you shared this in the meeting. Um, you know, if you've got a, an offense that's very pass centric and the quarterback's lighting up the sky with all these stats, well, your program has max guest standing right back there. It's not a fair comparison. No, it's not. It's, it's not fair to that receiver. Um, you know, we've got a couple receivers that, that are recruitable guys, and, uh, you know, you play Chambers, and you know it's going to be a three-point game or, or whatever, and you know they've got one of the best secondaries in the state. We're not going to throw it just to throw it. And so – there's, you know, those stats that night for those receivers, even though they're fantastic receivers, and, we, and, and, and Hayden's a really good quarterback. I think, you know, 120 yards passing. Doesn't, you know, most, that's not going to raise many people's eyebrow. But we ran for 290 and, and you know, scored, and scored enough to win. Um, now you compare that to another game where we're playing a different type team yeah, we throw for 300 and run for two. And, you know, then we had a couple games last year where we were had unbelievable offensive numbers. But, but that wasn't against Chambers. That wasn't against Butler. That wasn't against, you know, Shelby or an East Forsyth. Well, Shelby, we ran for a lot of yards last year. But, you know, it's so it's all it's all subjective in, in football stats. Football stats are very subjective compared to baseball stats or basketball stats um so it's just it's all in how you who you played how you look at it and all that kind of thing so talking about the um you said five years ago basically the private school guys come into the scene all this uh on uh, several of the episodes we talked about there's there's kind of two state champions there's you know what i feel like is the for real state champions the guy that plays in the system you know the county guys and then there's the private school state championships so the idea is, would you be welcome to everyone playing together? No no separate, you know, you're in the private school league, we're in this league. Everyone's competing for a true state championship. If I were allowed to do what they can do. Okay, okay. I mean, that, and I'm not saying anything bad about those, you know, I know y'all had. No, there's different rule sets. Yeah. Completely. Um, Very different. You know, y'all had. Christ school on then you know I'm not allowed to do what they're allowed to do um you know I pass a Asheville High and this literally happened about four or five years ago you know I, I stopped at Ingalls down here my wife asked me to pick something up one of Asheville's highest players was in there getting something and I knew him he, we knew each other and we talked for 45 seconds and two days later there's I'm getting a phone call and I'm you know because I'm recruiting I'm, I was recruiting a player from my no I'm recruiting I was talking to him but I would be more open to it if if we were allowed to do the same things I have to develop players that's that's the nature of our program that's the nature of Asheville High's program all of us we have to develop players I'm not allowed to go out and I lose – we lose day-day. Well, I can't go look for another 6'3", 190 
safety that plays like Day Day and bring him in. And and I know, you know, I know what those guys say. Well, we we don't recruit, and they don't. The coaches are not recruiting. I don't think I don't think uh, Christ School's coaches are out recruiting, but they've got other people that are recruiting for them. And and you know, and I know their argument is, well, we can't control that and this, that, and the other. But you know what's going on, man. I mean, you know if, but if if I have a mother of one of my players calling the mother of a player at Asheville High, I mean, you need to bring, he needs to come over here. He needs to come play for us. That's going to be a major problem. But that happens to us all the time where we'll have a parent or somebody reach out to one of our players from one of the private schools to try to get them to want to come over there to show interest. They, they just need to show interest. Once they show interest, then, the, then they can kind of show them, you know. But I, I, but I really think – Truly, it's two different things right now. You know, what most, or especially what the successful private schools are doing, are different. It's different. We are developing programs. And if you look at, like, Providence Day, who's kicking people's butt, and they've got some of the best players in the state, and, well, they're they're actively going out and doing it. You know, you look at IMG. They're... You know, they're, they're running the thing exactly like a college program. And all they're doing is they're going out and bringing players in. And and then they brag, well, look at all the guys we're getting recruited. Well, yeah, you just brought in a guy that's 6'3", 230, and is a fantastic defensive end. He's getting recruited. I don't care where he plays. And, you know, we talked about body types before. And just like Raven Gap, we played those guys last year. And the reason I played them, one, I knew they were going to be really good. And two, I knew their system. Their su- yeah, they're recruiting guys, but they're recruiting them from Canada and Europe and Mexico. They're not recruiting them from Fairview. They're not recruiting them from East Asheville. So that was why I was willing to do it. And when you you know we played those guys, you can see why they're sending eight nine guys a year to Division One schools. You, I mean, they were huge, and they moved well, and they were good players, and. But to answer the question, if if we were able to operate in a more similar fashion, maybe. So, you know, not not knowing too much about it, but the only thing that's stopping you guys from doing it is the regulations set on you by the NCHSSA, right? You, you can't you can't recruit within you know all this. You have to wait for a, a kid to move here and all this. Has there not been a conversation among ads, among principals, among coaches, like, hey guys? Let's open this door. Let's open the doorway up where we can recruit. Not that I know of. I mean, but th- but think what what we're regulating ourselves to allow those programs to be better and send more kids to college and all this. Why why don't we get together and say, hey, let let's change the rules for ourselves. Let's compete against these guys. Well, I mean, why allow our top talent to go over there wherever they go when we could just bring in all the talent here? By, by quit regulating ourselves? Well, first of all, I don't think all the top talent's going over there. I think there are some kids that are doing it for whatever reason, and if they feel like that's the best thing, I mean, that's fine. Um, you know, the, the, best players, the best players in our state are still public school players. Um, but I think what, what, you, what the concern is going to be, if you open this thing up, and and say, all right, 
Reynolds and Asheville and Inca and all of you, you can, you can recruit and do it. Is that really what we want to do? Do we want to turn it into that? Do we want to turn it into where um, basically what you have in Charlotte? Because Charlotte – Yep, you can do that. Charlotte has open enrollment. And you'll have a guy play um, – you'll have a guy play football at one place, basketball at another place, and then go back to where he played football and run track. And, you know, all the coaches that I'm friends with in Charlotte hate it. They don't like the, what's, what's happened. Um, and that was one of the – you know, one of the biggest things about us going back to 3A that, that I liked – it wasn't because of the numbers. I mean, the numbers were one thing. But it got us out of those open enrollment, you know, playing Charlotte-Mecklenburg, who has open enrollment. Forsyth County, who has open enrollment. Guilford County has open enrollment. I mean, you're basically playing all-star teams. And all it's going to do is it's just going to, you know, if you, if you allow everybody to, to go where they want to go or be you know, able to recruit or whatever, you're not developing kids anymore. And the one thing about football that, that has stayed consistent is if you want to be a good football player, I don't care what body type you have, if you want to be a good – you have to work at it. Mm-hmm. And you have to consistent – it's not in, It's not a August to November or December game. It's a year-round thing that you have to work at to get better. And, I mean, if the good Lord gives you a thunderbolt for an arm and you can throw 90 and – you know, there's certainly – I'm not saying baseball players don't work at their game, but they do. But there's certain talents you have to have. To be great on that basketball court, you know, six 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 seven helps. This game is still a game that's about working and developing players, and it's also developing teams. Um, we have had a lot of good teams here that have made deep runs in the playoffs or even won state championships that people, you know, early in the season didn't think much of. Um, they just came together and played well together. And I, and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that at the high school football level um, because a state championship or a deep playoff run or a conference championship matters. And it matters with kids from this community um, because it's hard to get, for one. And and these guys that grow up together and have been a part of this program or been a part of this community and they go do something together, I, I don't know. I still – maybe I'm getting too old or, you know, and I'm not looking. But we can still win state championships right here. We can still win championships. We can still send kids to college as good as anybody can. Mm-hmm. And we can do it with our kids. We can do it with kids from East Asheville and Fairview. Um and we will, you know, we're going to keep doing it. Um, I just, I don't want to muddy the water with, with, with the other thing. Now, if kids show up and they move here and do it the right way, well, whatever. But, um, but I like doing it with our kids because our kids are fun to coach. What about? Um, I know you've lost three recently to uh, Asheville School. For the reclass, what do you think about that reclass piece and the kids taking an extra year to play? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that that is something that parents and, and the kids need to decide. Is that what you want to do? Um, I can tell you what college coaches tell me. And the re- be careful with reclassifying because 
in my opinion, I feel like a lot of folks feel like it's the magic bullet. It's going to it's going to solve my recruiting the you know my slow recruiting process if I just stay another year in high school. And yeah, for some kids it it, it helps it, because they they grow three inches or four inches and gain forty pounds. That's a small number of kids that that happens to. But what parents need to understand when they're contemplating making that decision is when college coaches start recruiting players. Normally, it's for most players it's in their junior season. They are projecting at that point. They're not recruiting him as what he is right now. They're recruiting him as what is he going to be when he's 19 or 20. And they're making a decision right there. All right, this is a guy we're going to recruit, or this is not a guy we're going to recruit. So whether or not you go to another year of high school, you leave here and go to another year of high school, that what that coach may not come back um, just because you reclassified. It's – so, I mean, it's something that these, that they really need to think about. And then here's the other thing. In the world of the transfer portal, and I've had m- multiple college coaches tell me this, you know, you need to think about this too. In the world of the transfer portal, if you're already jumping in the transfer portal in high school, you know, that's a red flag for them recruiting you because, mm-hmm. man, this dude, he wasn't happy – at this school and they won a conference championship and, you know, did this and this and this, if, if they can't make him happy, how are we going to make him happy? And so that's, but again, you know, those are, you know, I, I can offer my opinion and, and people are going to, well, you just want to keep kids here. Cause it, you know, and I do, but ultimately I want the kid to be happy. I want, and I want him to, to get everything that he wants to get out of football. And if that's not here, that that's fine. I don't want a player here that doesn't want to be here. You know, we've talked about it. I want players here that love playing for Reynolds Rockets. And, you know, if, if you're not one of those guys, then, then you know, go somewhere else if, if you think it's going to help you more. But I will say this. One of the, one of the things that, that the private schools push are our academics. Oh, we, you know, we can we, we can do more for you academically. And there are things that they can do we can't do. We can't provide classes with 10 or 11 kids in them. Um, but both of my daughters went, went here. And I told this story the other night with our parents. But I think it's important because I, it was firsthand. I, I saw it firsthand with my twin daughters who are in college now. They went to school here, took every AP course that we offered, had great teachers in every class that they took. They were challenged. They were pushed. I saw the stress. I saw what they went through. Well, when it was time to start applying to colleges, I've got a daughter at Carolina right now. She got in every school she wanted to get into, including Notre Dame and Virginia and, and all those schools. That are... Grace got in everywhere she wanted. Now, Grace was going to go play soccer, so she didn't – you know, she wanted to do the military thing too, so she's at Citadel. But so she didn't apply to quite as many. But growing up in the soccer thing that we did, with you know, a lot of their friends went to the private schools because they felt like academically it was going to help them get where they needed to go. My girls got into everywhere they applied. So a lot of their friends didn't, and they and that was right here at a public school. So I'm not saying that those private schools aren't doing a good job with it, 
they, they obviously, I'm sure they are, but we can do it too. I would say academics is much like you talk about success on the football field. It's about what the work you put into it and what you chase. Yeah. You can take the, the easy class you want to. You can take the AP class. And the, the teacher involvement, if you show that you want to be successful, I, I feel like every teacher out there is looking for someone like that to help out. I agree. Yeah. I, I think um, it's, you know, my – as a football coach at A.C. Reynolds High School – you know, I'm just I'm telling our parents, the parents of my of the players that I coach, he can be as challenged and as pushed as hard as you want him to be pushed academically right here. We offer as many AP classes as anybody, uh, I think, as anybody in Buncombe County, including including some of the private schools. Now, I could be wrong there, and private school guys will correct me, but – um, but it, but it's like you said, it's a choice. What do you want? And that's what I'm, I'm kind of in the process right now, pushing a lot of our players out of some of these general classes because they're smart kids, pushing them into the honors classes, pushing them into some of these AP classes. Yeah, the workload's going to be more. But that transcript, when you're trying to go to college, looks a whole lot better with a B in AP whatever compared to a B in – you know, a regular class. And, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll advocate for the teachers we have here, we have really good teachers here. And there's a lot of, you know, teaching's a tough profession right now. And there's a lot of stuff that's causing problems for teachers right now. But we still have in this building a ton of really, really good teachers that, that can that push and, and challenge these dudes. And I'll say one thing about taking AP classes all through high school. Uh, the second you step on that college campus, it's another day. You're not you're not making an adjustment. You, you're used to that workload, so so college is a lot easier. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Grace has done great. You know, she's. You know, Anna's Anna's done really good too. But she, you know, she's at Carolina, and I think, you know, they they think, you know, that they've got to make it harder on everybody. <laughs> but but she's done really well, and I think she's done well, and she's been able to handle the stress of it because of the classes she took here. So I'm going to slide in a viewer question real quick, and you can uh, interpret this any way you want. The most football player you've ever coached, the most football guy you've ever coached, and give us a story about him. There's a couple. And while you're thinking about it, Pat, you didn't ask the opening question. Oh, I did. Yeah, I you, forgot you all that. about yeah. that. What is the opening question? The opening question for everybody is, what is the defining musical album of your high school career? Oh, that's easy. Nirvana. Bleach. Oh, boy. Golly. Finally one Pat's heard of. I've heard of that one. That's a good one. It changed everything, man. <laughs> yeah. Changed everything. It did. I have another question for you. Have you ever been in Pat's private plane? Agony. No. I do not have a private plane. <laughs> oh, man. I've got two, and they're two totally different players. I know that's one, but. We'll accept two. One is James Lee. And, and I was an assistant coach when James played for us. But. The dude could play any position at any time, and he called a, he called the pass 
that scored the touchdown that won the state championship game in 1999. The week of the game, you know, James was James was a little crazy. He <laughs> he's playing with scissors, throwing them or doing something, <laughs> and cuts his hand open mm-hmm. and has stitches in his hand. Now, he's a receiver and cuts and he's got stitches in his hand, so his hands all taped up. And but he catches the pass that. Uh, that wins the state championship game, goes on and plays at the Naval Academy, and he is a Navy officer right now. He's done all kinds of crazy things in the Navy, um, but he's still a Naval officer up in Norfolk, Virginia, one of the best football players I've ever seen. Um, more recent, and there's been so many good players here, but more recent would be Nathan St. Ange. And Justin, his older brother, was a unbelievable player for us too but Nathan could do almost anything and he was a quarterback he started and here's you know this is the kind of kid he is he starts for us as a quarterback his junior season has a good year we had a good year we got beaten semifinals that year I think um then the next year his senior year he goes into it thinking you know he's probably going to be the starting quarterback again we've got a young quarterback named Alex Flynn he was pretty good. And he was pretty good, too. <laughs> um, and I start watching Nathan do some things. When, when Alex would take snaps, Nathan's out there catching balls. And, you know, we had him out there at receiver and doing some different things. And Nathan was extremely athletic and able to just make plays. He just, he just had a knack for making plays. So we decided after about the second game of the season, Alex is going to be the quarterback. Nathan is going to be at the slot. And we moved Nathan around all year long, did different things, just trying to get the ball in his hands. Because I felt like if they don't know where Nathan is, it's going to be much harder to defend as opposed to us just leaving him there at quarterback and everybody can set defenses up knowing where where he's going to be. And we had a quarterback, Alex, who obviously was very good. And we ended up going to the state championship that year. We lost. But Nathan had an unbelievable season. You know, made plays for us, and, you know, he would go back to quarterback, and we'd run stuff with him at quarterback. Then he'd come back and he'd play in the slot. And then third down situations, he's out there playing corner and safety, just making plays, catching kicks, um, and was just an incredible teammate. Um, It was – he's one of the most humble players I've ever coached, one of the best players I've ever coached. But at the same time, if you would talk to him about it, he would – he's never going to bring up how good a player he was. And he's one of the best to ever do it out there. So those are that's my top two. And then I'm and I know I'm missing. Everybody's like, what about Rico? Rico's, you know, Rico's just, you know, God said you're going to be a football player, <laughs> <laughs> and and Rico Rico got it done. Nathan just got engaged, didn't he? He did. Um, one of the most interesting things about watching Nate play is when he would go in on defense, especially at corner. I know he'd go in some of those late-game situations and how he would use his body to slow that receiver down who could quite possibly be faster than him and not do it where he's going to get called for interference. He, he was a great player. And I was at both those state championship games he talked about. Were you? No, I was not. Yeah. Were you alive for the first one? Mm, yes, I was. Okay. So – so one question I've, I've had, you know, sitting back watching your program for 20 years, especially the last 10 years, you know, second, third-round playoff, pretty much almost a guarantee here, right? <laughs> if y'all could have just seen Coach Law's face. <laughs> but 
what's the piece you're missing to get over that hump or, or you know you know what what what's it going to take to get another state championship well i think first of all to, to win a state championship you have to have a little bit of luck things just have to go the right way um and that was the thing that hit me we we in 17 when we ca- we catch the touchdown pass i think it was the first touchdown we scored and they said no and it was incomplete and we all and obviously it was it was a touchdown absolutely and i can remember that feeling going through me you know this isn't good if cuz when you the, the the point i want when you get to the third fourth round semifinal round state championship game the the margin of error is tiny it's it's very small and so everything has to go right and when you do make a mistake you have to be able to make a play somewhere that makes up for it so to, and you get to a point where you know deep deep in the playoffs where there's got to you've got to have 22 dogs you've got to have 22 guys that you know are are just are really unbelievable players because you're going to line up against a team that's got 22 of those guys and you've got to be able to win matchups in both places all night long because you can't find the weakness you're you're not you know when 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 you're playing a game a lot of regular season games you know where are they weak we're going to attack them where they're weak and this you don't find that anymore um but you know to, to answer the question is you know you it's it's a matchup thing more more than anything it's you know if we would have been in the 3A state playoffs this year you know, the east lincoln people would probably get mad at me but i think we wouldn't won the state championship i think we were um if we were where we were supposed to be but we played a Weddington team that was very well coached, very good football team, and there were match there were matchups on the field that night that they were better than we were. And I thought our kids played extremely hard. Um, we we would have liked to have played better, but you know they they won a couple matchups and made probably two or three plays more than we would of that night. And you know if we would have played somebody else in that round. Maybe we win and we go on. But to, to answer the question, you know, what's it going to take? We're, 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 it's going to be a, a really good football team that's healthy and and is playing great football. And, you know, and on both sides of the ball, you, you've got guys that, that can make plays. And we've, you know, we, we've had those teams that, that, like you said, have come up short. But it's hard, man. I mean, winning a state championship is so, so hard, um, especially when you're – especially 1A, 2A, and 3A state championships because for the most part, you're doing it with your kids. And, you know, some of the 4A schools that have been successful in one state championships are not necessarily – they've done it, and they're, they're really good football teams, and, but they're not doing it with their kids. Um and so I, you know, that's that's something that, that, that I'm not making an excuse, but it is what it is. And it's, but I I've been so proud of every team that, that we've had, and, and some of these teams that, that make a late run. You know, I've been fortunate to be on the other side when you win it, 
and you look back and you say, and you see something on film, you're like, dang, if that guy would have just, if we just took a step there instead of this step, just even the weddings and game, I mean, I went back and I looked at the film over and over. There's, there's like two plays. If, you know, that changed the whole thing. And so, I, you know, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and, and we're going to win another one. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt that, that we won't because we've got good players. I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got coaches that know how to win them, that, that have. And, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's so, so hard. It's so, so hard to win one. Everything just has to be right. And the biggest thing in football is you got to be healthy in November. And, uh, and that's not always easy. You talked about being in 3A and maybe have gotten that state championship. What about 7A coming up? In, in my opinion, that doesn't affect football as much because it wasn't that long ago we had essentially eight divisions. So what's your take on the 7A? I think it probably affects the other sports probably a little more. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's what we're trying to do is we're trying to be more comparable to the states around us. Um, you know, we've got over 400 high schools in North Carolina and four classifications. It's just not enough. Um, and so we, what the High School Athletic Association has done is they've studied a lot of other states and, and what would be comparable and and they came up with seven i you know i'm i would have been fine with you know i would have you know six maybe but seven's okay i mean eight was good eight because i still feel like when we had the subdivide and we went eight you still had i mean those were eight really good football teams and those, those were eight teams that did everything they could that season and because, like I said earlier, there's there's just there's so many discrepancies, you know, besides just sheer sheer numbers. When you start getting in certain areas of the state with what they're how they, you know, how they line their school districts and things like that, open enrollment, all that other stuff, um, it it it's, it creates some pretty big advantages. And um, I think seven, it's going to look a little different. In conference situations, I think you know we, we wanted more. We wanted more classifications. We got them. So now we're going to have conferences though that are that maybe two or three, even three classifications. But you know, you take the MAC conference right now. There's three. Uh, there's three classifications in that league: Asheville, Robertson, and if if everything fell in the way it is right, I think Asheville, right. Robertson, and McDowell would be six. We would be five. The rest of us would be five, and I think North Buncombe would be four. Um, I'm not sure what the exact discrepancy between North Buncombe and McDowell is. It's probably about six or 700 students, I would think. Um, yeah, you know, McDowell's a pretty big high school. You don't think they'd end up seven? Well, I'm just going off of what some of the people in Raleigh laid out. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, it is a big high school. Um, but with what they had laid out going with the numbers that we had, from this fall, from the from the ADMs at the beginning of this school year, I think McDowell was going to be a top end six, and McDowell, Robertson, and, and Asheville, and we would be a five. Well, gentlemen, about time to wrap things up, don't you think? 
Coach Laws, I want to give you the opportunity, though. Is there anything you want to bring up that we didn't tease out in this wonderful conversation that you want to bring up? No, I think it's uh, – we've, co- we, we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, – I, I just – I think right now, and I, I talked to our parents about it, I think we, we have to be careful right now with high school sports. I think because they're – this is a – high school sports in Western North Carolina throughout our state is a valuable commodity, and it teaches a lot. And we need to be careful with how much we're trying to make high school sports a pathway to college scholarships. And I'm not saying that's not – it is important because it, it, getting kids to college is extremely important. But, you know, if a player is a good player, he's going to go to college and play. There's, you know, the, the, the biggest warning that I'll, you know, from being on this side of it and seeing it and, and dealing with and meeting with college coaches and some of my best friends in the world are college coaches. Um, you know, it's there's no shortcut to it. And, and I'm afraid that there's there's a lot of – people out there that think if if I just do this or I just go here or just no you've got to be really good and you've got to work extremely hard you know we were talking about the softball player earlier um I don't think I don't think a lot of folks players parents understand how hard you have to work to get to that level how hard how many really good players there are out there and um you know it's enjoy it when you're in high school it's it's a great thing playing playing high school sports are a great thing don't spend so much time looking to what's the next thing what was the you know did he play good what's the college coach going to think about the way he played tonight and don't worry about all that stuff and i you know the i told our senior parents or our rising senior parents Enjoy watching them play this senior season because it's never going to be like this again. Enjoy it. Be their biggest fan. Support them in the things that they're trying to do. But if, they are, if they're the kind of player that, that's going to play at the next level, they're going to play at the next level. And, you know, you don't have to jump through a million different holes to make that happen. And I've seen that with football players for the last 26 years. I've seen it with my own kids. Um you know, they've got to have the it. And no matter how much we want it for them, if they don't have it, it's it, it's very difficult to play at the next level. So 26 years coaching, what's next for you, Coach Loss? I don't know. There's, I've got a lot of different things I've been thinking about. I, I don't know. I mean, I when you know, I told you I was going you – know, at first, I was going to get in. I thought I was going to get into college coaching. I've considered getting into college coaching next, or in the college game somehow. But man, it's such a mess right now. I don't know if I want to mess with that or not. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Um, At least another ten years here, or what? Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll be here a little while longer. Yeah. Um, so earlier, you mentioned your wife and you enter, entertained ideas or you know offers and stuff, and you were looking for the end. You know. What does the end look like for you? I don't know. Somewhere to be in a position where 
I can ski about 70 or 80 days a year. <laughs> um, that's, I know that's one of the goals for my wife. Snow and or water? Snow. Um, and, you know, if I could do, you know, to get in a position where, you know, I could do like maybe two or three weeks a year in Colorado or Utah, Wyoming, uh, Jackson Hole, somewhere, you know, that's, that is that's the thing my wife and I both enjoy together the most um, is, is skiing and getting in a you know being it's a little more difficult when you're a high school football coach to be able to just slip off to to Colorado or whatever but that's that is one of our goals for after Reynolds football is to be in a position where we can you know two or three weeks a year where we can we can get lost on in the mountain out west somewhere the the ultimate goal is i want to ski in the alps um wow. there's a there's a train that goes through the alps and you can you know you can ski germany switzerland france italy uh all of them and i want to uh i want to be, i want me and my wife want to do that we want to ski all of them One last thing I noticed on your um, Twitter feed, there's a golf tournament you've got coming up. Do you want to give the skinny on that? Yes, we have our fundraising golf tournament coming up. Um, it's uh, we're playing at Kenmuir. We, you know, we one of the things that we you know we have to find some different ways to raise money for the players. One of the things, one of my things with with our players, I want to try and make their high school career as close to like a college player uh, so so the way we treat them the way they travel the way we feed them the way they look um and so we got to make money and one of those is our golf tournament which is super fun we we have a lot of fun with that every year uh we're playing at kenmuir i think on july 31st um 500 bucks a team and we'll you know joey green puts that on for me he always has a lot of good prizes it's but uh you know, we don't all get to go play Kenmuir just whenever. So this is an opportunity to go play Kenmuir and uh, and help help Rocket Football raise a little money. Indeed. Well, yeah, definitely get out and do that. Last thing for fun, we always do something a little bit fun. One question at the end. I think we talked about grilling one time and something else. I thought we're talking about football. I don't know what you all's favorite NFL teams are. The Miami Dolphins. Why? Uh, well, when I was a young man, Dan Marino was the uh, premier quarterback. There wasn't a team in Carolina, so uh, the Falcons were terrible, so I think I was drawn to the Dolphins for whatever reason. And mine would be the 49ers, and much like Mike, I started watching football early on. Uh, so 93, uh, 92, 93 is when I started. They were a powerhouse team, and I've followed them ever since. Wait, that's early on? Yeah, for me, yeah. Jeez. But you, Coach Loss? Well, my favorite team now is the Cleveland Browns. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact I'm married to a girl from Cleveland, and and you and you've got to respect Cleveland fans when you when you're around them. I mean, they are very they passionate. Are, they are the best fans in the world. Hey, those 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 fans and the Bills. Yeah, but the Bills are good now, though. Right. So it's um, but you know I became a Browns fan when when we got married, and I spent more time up there and got to go to some games. Um, but growing up, I was a Bears fan. The like you said, we didn't have the Panthers, and 
the 85 Bears, man, I, I fell in love with the 85 Bears. Just all the personalities, the way they played, it was – I mean, that was football. And, you know, you, you could watch the Bears play in the snow, and it was – that was – I don't know. I, I was a Bears guy. You'll have to watch some film, Lewis. I know you're not old enough to have seen them. <laughs> I think I've watched a documentary about them. <laughs> the Super Bowl show. They actually – they Sunday, I just happened to be flipping through channels. Sunday, the NFL channel was playing old Super Bowls. One of the ones they showed was the 80, uh, 86 Super Bowl with the Bears and the Patriots, and where the Bears just physically just wore them out. Yeah. And um, those, those were just those those guys were freaks. The way they, you know, just big, strong, fast, and um, the, the way they played it was it was really fun football to watch. And then to have you know Jim McMahon as a quarterback who was the ultimate personality. Um, and then, in my opinion, one of the best running backs to ever play the game, Walter sure. Payton. Yeah. So. My team was the Washington Com- Commanders, the Redskins. Benefited well from that 85 team getting up Wilbur and Marshall there, one of yeah. the best, uh, certainly, that I'd ever seen play the game. And he was on my Sega Genesis uh, team when I used to play that quite a bit <laughs> back in college. So. Do you fly your private plane up there to watch games? No, Mike, I don't. I don't even have a model airplane. <laughs> wear me out. Mike, you want to tease the uh, next podcast? Sure. So we're still working to set up a date with uh, Asheville High Coach Radford. We're trying to find something that works for all of us. Um, we're hoping to get that one. Also working to get a date with uh, Coach Gibson at Owen. Um, if we can't get anything, we'll just do a regular podcast. We got some things to talk about. Um, got to thank the Bandettes for their intro song. They sent us a video this week. I'm going to put on our social media page. Uh, just uh, talk- they did a little rendition of their song talking about our podcast. So. We really appreciate those guys. If you get a second, listen to them. If you have any uh, thing you'd like for us to talk about, send us an email, behindthebeardwnc at gmail.com, or contact us on Facebook, Instagram. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, man, well, Coach Laws, thank you for your time. As always, that was fantastic. Good luck this season. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Coach. Thanks.